walking last night. Uh, I can't remember who it was, and she was saying, it's kind of humid today. And I'm like, what? You know, I pull out my phone, I look, it's like 51% humidity. I'm like, oh, we live for this in North Carolina. 51%, so low humidity today, honey. Um, anyway, I wanted to show you um, the one I was working on yesterday. So there it is. Um, see the whole one. Yeah, so I'll just, I'll just leave it there if, if anybody wants to see it in person at some point. Would you all pray with me? Lord, keep us in the moment. Seems that that's much of what this weekend is about. Learning to slow down, to rest, to perceive the things of God as opposed to the things of man. That which matters most in life. We pray, Father, that in the midst of this, you would continue to speak to us. And you, you are, Lord. We wake up. And you speak to us in the sky and in nature. We wake up and open your word and you speak to us with your specific revelation of who Christ is. And you grant us wisdom and grace. We wake up, Lord, and we, you speak to us in the kindness of friends and family. In the everyday things that we do for each other that we don't even notice half the time, but in all of it, you are speaking. And Lord, now we, we ask you to speak uh, through your word, through the arts, through stories, and in our midst for your glory, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, where is Rich? Rich, thank you for sharing that. That was um, really an amazing song. And uh, Rich wasn't here at the beginning of the, of the weekend. Anybody else wasn't here at the, at the very beginning? So uh, just for, uh, yep, for the benefit of Rich and, and what's your name? That's an awesome name. <laughs> Could you come up here and do a little painting? <laughs> All right, Patrick, good to have you. So for the, the benefit of, of Rich and Jen and Patrick, um, this was... This was a rough week for me, um, and leading into this week, a really good friend of mine passed away after a, a long battle with cancer. Um, her name was Suzanne Berger, and um, I've known her for 16 years. Uh, we were in community group with her and her husband for 12 years, and uh, our community group, we gave ourselves the name The Grasshoppers, uh, based on Isaiah 40. 22 or 4018, somewhere around there. You can check it out. But it says that God sits enthroned on the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are as grasshoppers to him. And we thought that's an appropriate name, you know, just to keep ourselves humble, that God is big and we are small, but God is good and loves us all. I just made a, a rhyme. I just, <laughs> just made that poem right on the spot. Um, and as grasshoppers, we decided that we would uh, we would have nicknames, and we got to choose our own nickname. I was Jose Maria de Orafala de Jesus, and, um, and uh, Suzanne was Yuffie, which I thought was really appropriate because E-U in the Greek is the root for good, and, uh, and there's a lot of goodness in Suzanne's life. And uh, oftentimes, and she served with me on our leadership council and all these things, so we had all kinds of dealings together. And I would call her, and I'd say, 
hey, Yuffie. And she'd go, hola, Jose. <laughs> and uh, and it was, it was kind of like Pete said, the, the time we talk was often filled with laughter as well as, um, as the things of God. And not that laughter isn't the things of God, it surely is. Um, but as I thought about this section of the psalm, and uh, we're going to read it in a moment, Psalm 23, we're going to zero in on the verse, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So uh, can, we, can we bring Psalm 23 up there? Does that look like it's out of focus? It does kind of look out of focus, didn't it? No? Okay. All right, let's, let's all say it together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The paths of righteousness, I don't know if you can quite see it here yet. Um, yeah, that helped focus it a little. Uh, but the shepherd is leading along a zigzag path. Um, in Israel, they literally call, there's an area where they call it the paths of righteousness, and it is a, a zigzag um, path up the side of the, the rugged mountain terrain. And the paths of righteousness that are pictured here by David are paths that are fairly, um, fairly treacherous. And if the sheep don't keep their eye on the shepherd, they could easily tumble off of the path. And the zigzag paths are cut in such a way as to pro provide the maximum amount of stability for shepherds to lead their sheep. That's the kind of shepherd that we have. He leads us in paths of righteousness. And he knows that to stay on the path, he's going to have to choose what's best for us. And so, so we follow him. Um, in the Book of Common Prayer in the Anglican Church, there is... Um, a confession that begins with, for morning prayer. And that confession starts out, Most merciful God, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there's no health in us. The, the confession begins with this acknowledgement that we can quickly fall off the path. It begins with an acknowledgement that um, that which is good in us is, is good because of Christ Jesus, in spite of ourselves. So keeping our eyes on the shepherd is... Um, it's a full-time job for his name's sake. Um, I'm going to read to you Isaiah 48. Actually, could I have somebody come and read Isaiah 48, 9 through 11 for me? 
Oh, Patty, thank you. Patty's going to read this while I, I paint a little bit more here first. So why does God lead us? He says he leads us for his name's sake. Now, there are a lot of people who say, I, I really don't have any time for church. I don't have time for religion. Like, I don't get it. Like, what, why do we need to do all this singing? Why do we do, need to do this praising? What is God? Is God like this, just this, like, um, needy, supreme being that needs to be praised, needs to be glorified? Man, you read this, and it, gosh, it sure seems like that's what it's saying, right? That's pretty good. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do this, right? Not that he's saying I'm not doing it for your sake, but he's saying what's primary in his mind is his own sake. How can I let myself be defamed? I will not yield my glory to another. Gosh, that sounds, can you imagine me standing up here and saying, I'm the greatest artist that ever lived. Rembrandt, ha! If you want true art, come to me, you know? You'd be like, this guy's such an egotist or whatever. How can I let myself be defamed? God says, I will not yield my glory to another. How can he say that? Because it's true. Because it's true. And though he does it for his own sake, he does it for our sake as well. If the shepherd is not strong, the sheep are in trouble. If the shepherd is not good, the sheep are left to die. If the sheep are left to die and they, they become sick, and I, and I, um, I found this out via Pete. Uh, Where did you find this out, Pete? Uh, a friend who talked to a shepherd. That the one time a sheep will listen to the voice of another is when they're sick. When they're sick, they, they lose their discernment, and they'll, they'll follow the voice of another in desperation. That's the vision of our world, isn't it? Right? Our world, seeking all kinds of shepherds, is running every which way, and the thing is, we're running after people who have a certain glory. They're incredibly good at this or that. They're incredibly beautiful or talented or smart or, or prosperous. And, and we tend to run after them all. But their glory is only derivative. It's not the glory of God. God says, I will not yield my glory to another because it would be dishonest. Um, the way I like to think of it is, is this. So here's glory. If you've ever been to a great concert, um, you've ever been to an amazing play um, where you, you just sense that you're in the presence of true greatness, um, that the, the, the music that's being offered, the, the painting that's being painted, the, um, the play that's being enacted in front of you, that Literally, when it's over, you cannot help but stand up on your feet. And you're like, bravo, encore, encore. You want more. You want, you want to praise the people who are doing it. Why do we do that? It's good that we do that. But you know why we do it? Because something inside of us yearns and longs for glory. That we literally enter into it as they are performing in front of us. And our own souls are expanded, our, our own love of what is pure and good and right and true. And so when we see that, when you see Michael Jordan like taking off in the air, just, oh, you, you cannot help it. 
Because you're like, I want my body to be able to do that. And because I can't, at least I can watch this man do something that deep inside my heart I know I was created to do. I know I was created to take off from the foul line and jam it, right? At least in my heart. Because when, when we see it, when we see these Olympic athletes, we, we long after that. That's that longing for glory that God has put in every single heart. And he said, you want to know true glory? Look to me. It's a true glory that, that I invite you into, into the praise and the wonder of God. And you know what happens when you enter truly into the praise of another? In some small way, you become like them. The sheep become like the shepherd by following his lead. So, um, how many of you are familiar with uh, uh, Chariots of Fire? You know the story. If you know the story, it's about Eric Liddell, who was this um, Scotsman who um, was incredibly fast and was going to be running for, for Great Britain um, in the Olympics. And um, his major race was the 100 and the 200. Those were, those were his major races. And um, his heat for the 100 meters um, was scheduled to be on a Sunday. Eric, was also, Eric would also become a missionary to China, um, had a deep and devout faith. And he, um, he believed with all his heart that the Lord's Day, Sunday, was a day of complete rest, that he would never compete, never play ball, any of that kind of stuff. He was also a great rugby player, um, and he wouldn't do it. And incredible pressure was exerted on him to run the 100 meters because it was almost sure that he would win it and bring gold for England. But he refused to do it, and in the movie, he ends up getting... Um, getting assigned to the 400 meter instead. This actually happened in real life as well. The movie kind of compresses the, the time frame. And in the movie, they have Jackson Schultz, who's a, an American sprinter, come up to Eric Liddell um, just before he used to run the 400. And nobody's expecting Eric Liddell to win the 400 because it's just, it's not really his race. And there are others who have faster qualifying times and everything. And, um, but Jackson Schultz puts this note in his hand. Now, in real life, it was somebody else. It wasn't Jackson Schultz, and it happened a few days before the event, but it's so much more dramatic in the movie, you know. And he, he gets a note, and he looks at it, and it says, as the old book says, those who honor me, I will honor. And Eric Liddell, like, puts that note in his hand. Gun goes off, and he takes off. And, of course, if you know the movie, he wins the 400, and it is incredible. And his running style, it was like he cock his head back, and he'd run like this, you know, and, and um, his sister, who had, she didn't understand why he was doing the Olympics and all this, because she believed he was called to be a missionary, and he had, he had told her, God has made me for China, but he also made me fast. Sorry, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. When I run, I feel his glory. So Suzanne is taking chemotherapy. In 2006, when I first got to Church of the Apostles, she was one of my first pastoral visits. And 
Um, you know, when somebody's as sick as she was from cancer, you really can't get to know them. All I could note was that a lot of people love this lady. And she got through that, and of course then we got to have a wonderful friendship over the course of 16 years. But when she was taking chemo, and I just learned this recently, Bruce was with her, and um, he said that there was a, a young Latino gal there also getting chemo who was bawling, just bawling. And she was bawling because she was on Medicaid, and the kind of drugs that she was afforded on Medicaid for anti-nausea meds were the lowest level and the cheapest grade. And so her level of suffering was about as acute as it could be. Suzanne, on the other hand, had uh, probably the top level of Blue Cross Blue Shield. They could afford any drug she needed, and, and they did, and they got those, and it helped get her through. But she looked at Bruce in that chemotherapy room, and she said, if, I get, if God gets me through this, I want to do something to help people like that. I want to do something so people like that don't have to suffer as this young lady's suffering. And a dream was born in her. A, a dream to develop a clinic um, for the uninsured and the underinsured. And she was determined to see, to see that dream through. And she followed it and followed the Lord in trying to establish it. And it took years in the making. And I remember her asking us for prayer in our community group because it just didn't seem like it was going to happen. And um, there were board members. There were investors. She had invested her own money, uh, countless prayers, time, effort. And finally, it seemed like it was falling apart. The whole board stepped back and quit uh, several investors asked for their money back. And though she was discouraged, she was not going to give up. Her husband even said to her, hey, Suzanne, you've given it your best. It's all right if you step away. And she said, no, I, I think that God wants me to do this. And I think he wants me to persevere. So she kept following Jesus and eventually one and two and three people gathered around her with like mind and people with resources. And, and bit by bit, a new board was formed. And finally, in 2018, Neighbor Health Ministries opened its doors with three staff and began to serve people. In three short years, they now have a staff of 55 people. They're serving over 7,000 patients, most of whom are underinsured or uninsured. She knew what it was to follow the Lord and honor him in the paths of righteousness for his glory, for his name's sake. And so where Eric Liddell says, I feel God's pleasure, uh, it was an incredible honor for me to do Suzanne's funeral because I was doing the funeral of a person that I knew felt God's pleasure. I knew she knew what it was to follow the Lord through the zigs and the zags of life. For his name's sake. There's a, I want to I close with um, this scripture and then I'll, I'll finish the, the painting later. Somebody was chiding me for not finishing the painting last night uh, during the group. This is really hard to do and talk at the same time. But um, there's two passages in scripture. One in, in Luke um, 9.51 and the other 
in Mark 10, 32, both describing um, the same event. In Luke 9, it said that Jesus resolutely set his face towards Jerusalem. So typically when Jesus was walking along the road, as you read the Gospels, you get the picture that it's a very leisurely walk. He's, he's walking with his disciples alongside of them. Um, he's taking time to stop with people. But in this instance, it says Jesus set his face resolutely toward Jerusalem. And in Mark chapter 10, 32, it says that his disciples were astonished and many were afraid. And I've dwelt on that, that astonishment. I think it, it's astonishment that their leader was so far out in front of them, that there was a quickness in his step that they were not used to. And some were afraid because they knew that Jerusalem was a place where Jesus had received his greatest oppositions, where there were plans afoot to kill him. And that was what Jesus was moving towards resolutely. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, Jesus said. That's what I've come to do, and that's where I'm heading. And my sheep who know me and listen to my voice follow along the path of crucifixion, follow along the path of taking up their cross daily and following me. What does it mean to take up your cross? It's just, I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to live to Christ. I'm going to trust that though I go down to the death, even there at the grave, my song will be, Alleluia, Alleluia, for my Savior shall raise me up. And so they're astonished following Jesus because he's heading towards the cross. Would these sheep be following their shepherd if they thought he was about to jump off of a cliff? I don't know. I'd have to talk to shepherds and see, would sheep actually do that? Would they follow you off of a cliff? Do they trust you that much? But I do know that for us, the Lord calls for us to trust so whatever you're going through in life, whatever it is, and, and we're all going through stuff right now, right? I mean, while, while we're planting this church, some nights I wake up and go, do I have a sore throat? Oh my gosh, if I do, we're going to have to cancel church, you know, because I can't infect anybody. And we're doing this thing, and is that person infected? And, you know, and, and just now, like, my wife was about some people who are not going to be able to have their kids come to camp, right? And there's people who are not here at this camp because of COVID. Our, our lives have been upended in so many ways. We go through difficult things, and that might be the least of your problems. I don't know what you're going through. But the Lord says, remember, even if we go to that cross, and we'll talk more about that tonight, I'm leading you in the right paths, the right ways. So yield your life to me and trust. So while I've been speaking, Pete has been writing amazing questions for you. Yes, Pete. No. Okay, yeah. He's going to do it in 12 seconds, right? He's got 12 seconds, all right? As many questions as you can write down, Pete. 13 questions in 12 seconds, all right? But in this time, I would love for you to go and, and talk about what is righteousness? Why do, we, why do we so often kind of shrink away from terms like that when it's actually what God wants to build in us? He wants to make you a righteous and holy people. What would it look like to own those terms 
in a humble way, not in a self-righteous way. You got those questions, Pete? I would love for you to talk through those things and say, what does it mean that the paths of righteousness are not necessarily straight, but sometimes follow along a zigzag line? And talk about what some of those zigzag lines are like in your lives. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Lord Jesus, for your name's sake, guide us by your Holy Spirit. Deepen us through conversation, through your word, and through this whole experience. Help us, Lord, to more truly follow you and to keep on the path. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you.